Now in the same year, in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year, in the fifth month, Hananiah, the son of Azur, the prophet, who was from Gibeon, came to me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priest, and all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have, spoke, I have broke the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years, I'm going to bring back... I'm going to bring back to this place the vessels of the Lord's house, which Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. I'm also going to bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, and all the exiles of Judah who went to Babylon, declares the Lord, but I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Okay, now, there are a lot of Hananiahs in the Old Testament. 14 to be exact, three of them in Jeremiah, but here's a Hananiah who's a false prophet. Now, what I'd like for you to hear is, is how Hananiah presents this prophecy. I think this is really impressive. Now, this is in early Zedekiah, last king, and, and, and he, just, he just actually gives us a, 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 a you know, quotation of Hananiah's prophesying. And I think if you listen to this, you'll see why it's convincing. Here's Hananiah prophesying. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years, I am going to bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. I am also going to bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and all the exiles of Judah who went to Babylon declares the Lord for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon now what makes that prophecy so good give a specific time very specific an exact time I think that makes it sound more believable a vague one is not as convincing as you know saying within two years Specific time. What else makes this convincing? He uses the same imagery as Jeremiah did. Yes, the same imagery, the same phrasing, you know, the same formula. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. You can just hear God with phrases like, I've broken the yoke and uh, I'm going to bring back. And it declares the Lord. I mean, he's got the phrasing down to a T. This is exactly the way the true prophet spoke. He, it, it really, he couches it in very Bible language. This is not, this is not the New Living Bible, you know, or the Living Bible or whatever, you know, sort of stuff. This is not some, you know, one of the kooky paraphrases. This has got the King James language, you know, it's right, right down the line. What else? Makes this convincing. It's claiming to be from God. Yes. It's directly from God, according to him. What else? What they want to hear. It's what they want to hear, and what pleases is the most convincing. Yes. What else? There's something about this that I think makes it so convincing. It's very what? <clears throat> Hopeful. It's 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 almost it's it's not. Oh, I think I'm going to do this. It is. 
I am going to do this. This is done. Yes, exactly. It's very firm. It's very definitive. It's very strong. It's not tentative. You know, it is, thus says the Lord, I will, I have, I am. You know, it just sounds like this is absolutely the way it is. There is no, you know, openness for, you know, maybe it's not quite, or, you know, not quite as much. Or, you know, this is very... And, 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 and if somebody comes along, and they tell a lie, but they tell it, you know, in these really powerful, you know, bold, kind of outrageous terms, it's more believable. You know, you you use style and, and and you act like you know what you're talking about. It's amazing what people do. Take a salesman. What what personality trait makes the best salesman? Confidence. Confidence. You know what kind of person makes a good salesman because they're confident? A very black and white kind of a person. A person who either they're all in or they're all out. A person who really believes in their product. Now, there are some people who are always saying, well, but it, you know, in this situation, it might not. You have to look at this fact. You have to look at that. There are other people who are like, yeah, it's this or it's that. That's a good salesman. One who's totally convinced this is the best. There's no question. There's no qualifications. It's it. That kind of guy sells. The kind of guy who's more thoughtful about, well, yeah, but I mean, it's not all that, and there's some defect, there's a, he doesn't sell anything. Because he's, you know, he sees all sides of the question. So, so if you want to convince somebody, you got to just pour it on. You know, that you don't walk away. You say something really strong and outlandish, but if you say it with all your might, not with all your might like bombastic, with all your might, like, firm, definite, you know, confident. If you're overconfident, if you're like, this is absolutely, all 100% certain, no, no, that, that's over the top. But if you're just very calmly, forcefully, definitively confident, you're going to carry a bunch of people. Because it just sounds so good. we got to watch that. False teachers are like that. There are a lot of clever false teachers. They say it so strong. Well, the Bible says... You know, I mean, that's just what the Bible says. You know, the Bible says once saved, always saved. I mean, you know, you can, you can take it to leave, but that's what the Lord's Word says. You know, here's the fact. Nobody can snatch you out of your hat. I mean, that's the God's message. You know, you believe it or not. You know, things like that. That sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty convincing. So, we've got to watch not being carried away with the style. We've got to really examine the message. So, I think this is brilliant. Because I think it helps you to see why, besides the fact that everybody wanted to believe this message, why there are some stylistic and and, and, uh, just kind of uh, the way he does it things that make it even more convincing. False prophets do it well. Satan's sharp. All right, thoughts and comments on this. Brandon. Well, there's another passage in the New Testament that says, like, they're like very smooth talking. I don't know. I mean, wolves come to you in sheep's clothing. They transform themselves as angels of light. Uh, I, maybe there's something else I'm not thinking about, but yeah. Uh, maybe, uh, what about uh, Romans 16? Does that have something like that? Um, 
By their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. Yes. Romans 16, 18. Yeah. Other questions or comments? Sarah? It, it's sometimes easy to look at this and go, why did those stupid people in Judah, in Jerusalem, believe all these false prophets? Couldn't they tell the difference? And then you, you're presented with this example of the false prophet using all the tricks of the trade to make it sound good and, and all of that. And you begin to go, okay, I I need to get down off of my uh, little pedestal and not look down on these people who believe the false prophets in the sense that I was. I mean, oh, I, I, I would have seen through that immediately. Yeah. yeah. Not necessarily. Good point. Other thoughts? <coughs> okay, uh, five to nine. You know, the prophet Jeremiah spoke to the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests and in the presence of all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord confirm your words which you have prophesied to bring back the vessels of the Lord's house and all the exiles from Babylon to this place. Yet hear now this word which I am about to speak in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. The prophets who were before me and before you from ancient times prophesied against many lands and against great kingdoms of war and of calamity and of pestilence. The prophet who prophesies of peace when the word of the prophet shall come to pass, then that prophet will be known as the one whom the Lord has truly sent. Well, this is an interesting response on Jeremiah's part. You know, apparently Jeremiah was in the audience when Hananiah delivered his, uh, you know, solemn prophecy. And Jeremiah doesn't respond necessarily the same way you think he would. In verse 6, what does Jeremiah say? Amen, brother. Sounds good to me. Yeah. What does he mean by that? Is he saying it's true? What's he say? Well, obviously, he'd prefer that that be the case. So, yes, I would be perfectly happy if the Lord brought back the vessels. Yes, exactly. May that be so. I hope, I hope that's right. Yeah, I, I, I love that. You know, Jeremiah is saying, yes, you know, that would be a wonderful thing. Nothing would please me more than for those predictions to come true. He does not have, Jeremiah does not have, at this moment, some specific word from God to deliver to the people. Good men of God are very careful not to speak until they've got a message of God to deliver. They don't, they don't just say, I, I don't believe that. I, I, don't, I can't see that. He waits until he's got something from God to say before he directly conflicts with it. You know, we are tempted. We get in a religious discussion. Somebody says something. We have no idea what to say about it. We've never studied before. We don't know how to answer it. We have nothing in the Bible to back us up. But we go out on a limb with some outrageous statement about it. Just because we're in the argument, we want to win the argument. If you don't know how to correctly defend a position from the Bible, shut up. 
until you do. It's not going to help us to just say, well, I just don't believe that. can't be right. You know, uh, or, or use some invalid argument. Better to say, you know, I'd like to look at that more. I'll get back to you. Thank you for pointing that out to me. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. We're like, well, I don't want to back down. I don't want to look weak. Forget it. You know, it doesn't matter what we look like. We sure don't want to speak something that would be wrong. It is much better. Really, in the long run, it's more convincing if we don't speak until we know the right thing to say. So, Jeremiah simply says, okay, I hope that's true. However, now here's my word. He's not, he doesn't make some affirmation. But he says, now I want you to hear this. The prior prophets, you know, they prophesied against many lands and against great kingdoms of war, calamity, and pestilence. Now, that, that's, that's what we know about the prophetic, you know, um, message, the basic prophetic theme. The prophet who prophesies of peace, and that's more out of the prophetic mainstream. You know, that is not the common message that the prophets usually preach. The prophet who prophesies of peace, when the word of the prophet comes to pass, then that prophet will be known as the one whom the Lord has truly sent. You know, he doesn't completely deny Hananiah's words. He doesn't have a word from the Lord to do that with. But he does say, you know, in this situation, when Hananiah is speaking something that's not a typical thing for the prophets to speak, then really, I'll believe it when I see it. He's not saying it couldn't happen. But it's not the norm. It doesn't really sound, you know, right. I mean, it's not the kind of thing he's accustomed to hearing from the prophets, so I'm going to reserve judgment. You know, if it happens, praise God. But I'm not going to believe it until I see it happen, since this is kind of soft on covenant disobedience, and it's kind of speaking a message that the prophets don't usually speak. Ah, it's a very good position for him to be in. And he's warning, you know, this is, this is different. This, this caused me concern. But he's not coming out with some bold, confident statement on his own that he doesn't have. So, ah, it'd be cool. But I, I, you know, there's this Brazilian expression I keep thinking of. You know, um, I have one foot behind me. <laughs> It's a great expression. I wish we had one like that. Maybe we do. I don't know what it is. But it's like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a little reluctant. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to back away. <laughs> you know, because just, there's, there's just some things about this that don't really ring right. They don't really add up very well. So I'll reserve judgment, but I'm, I'm skeptical because it doesn't sound like the other prophets have sounded. Isn't that a good way to put that? When you don't have anything else to go on, I think that's that's a proper response on Jeremiah's part. Thoughts and comments? Okay. 10 to 17. Then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke from the neck of Jeremiah the prophet and broke it. Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people, saying... Thus says the Lord, Even so will I break within two full years the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all the nations. Then the prophet Jeremiah went his way. 
The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after Hananiah the prophet had broken the yoke from off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Go and speak to Hananiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, You have broken the yokes of wood, but you have made instead of them yokes of iron. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron on the neck of all these nations, that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they will serve him. And I have also given him the beasts of the field. Then Jeremiah the prophet said to Hananiah the prophet, Listen now, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, and you have made this people trust in a lie. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am about to remove you from the face of the earth. This year you are going to die because you have counseled rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died in the same year, in the seventh month. So, remember the yoke that Jeremiah is evidently wearing. You know, Jeremiah has this statement. And what does Hananiah do? Wow, what do you see in that? A rejection of Jeremiah's prophecy. Very much so. In very dramatic, theatrical fashion. He takes that yoke, he breaks it, and he says, thus says the Lord. Even so will I break within two full years the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all the nations. Boy, isn't that good. Man, that gets attention, and it's just dramatic, and man, he just breaks that yoke. Thus says the Lord, that's the way I'm going to break the yoke from off of your neck within two full years. So I think Hananiah is one of the best false prophets in the Bible. <laughs> Man, if there's, a, if there's a false prophet that does it right, you know, he ought to have uh, been the, uh, you know, principal of the school of false prophecy. This is cool. I mean, it, if there's anything that sounds good and looks good, I mean, man, you can just see him snap that yoke. Thus says the Lord. That's what I'm going to do. And what does Jeremiah do in verse 11? He leaves. Wow! Would you have had enough self-control? He breaks the yoke over your head. It's really doubtful. It's really doubtful. But Jeremiah has not been instructed by God to say anything. So he just goes on. It takes a lot of self-control not to speak when you don't have anything to say. It is so wise, though. Don't. You get in a religious discussion. You don't have the answer. Do not bluff. Just don't speak. I don't know what to say about that. I need to look at that. Fair enough. What else are you going to... Somebody's going to say, well, you got to give me an answer right now. <laughs> no, okay. You're going to look at it more. You don't have something to say about it? That's fine. That's what Jeremiah does. He just, he just leaves. And then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. And he says in verse 13, go and speak to Hananiah. You've broken the yokes of wood. You've made instead of them yokes of iron. Wow. You know, really Hananiah has had the effect of strengthening the, the toughness of the yoke. Because he's made people believe in the lie, hardened their hearts in unbelief, and so really what Hananiah has done is to increase how severe the punishment is. He's, 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 
taken the yoke of wood and made a yoke of iron. He's made this a whole lot more painful for you guys. Um, You know, and everybody's going to end up serving Nebuchadnezzar. Even the animals. Uh, So, when God tells Jeremiah to speak, he doesn't hesitate. He goes right to Hananiah. And he says in verse 15, listen now, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, you've made this people trust in a lie, and therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I'm about to remove you from the face of the earth, this year you're going to die, because you've counseled rebellion. That's pretty powerful. You know, God verifies Jeremiah's verdict by what he does to Hananiah. What, ye- what month was Hananiah's prophecy? What month did he die in? How many months later? How many years did he say it would take for the vessels to come back? Yes. The prophet who predicted deliverance within two years died within two months. Now what should that make the people do? Get a second opinion. (laughs) Yes. Listen to Jeremiah. It doesn't. Why wouldn't you listen to Jeremiah after this? Because the problem's never been a lack of evidence. The problem is they don't want to believe what Jeremiah is saying and no amount of evidence will ever convince them. But this is pretty powerful. This is pretty cool. Comments or thoughts? Sarah? What do you think that might have been going through Jeremiah's mind? I mean, there's this other prophet he's using the right word comes in and Jeremiah doesn't have an immediate, thus says the Lord, to come back. And, I mean, could he have, I don't know, I, I would be I'd be sitting at home going, all right, so did I miss the memo that said I'm no longer the prophet of the Lord? Or? Well, he was never the exclusive prophet of the Lord. Right. There were others. But still, I mean, he's got, he's got a reputation, in a sense, I guess, and at least to us, since we have his book and all that. I just wondered if he might, uh, if that might have been something that could have been going through his mind, you know, doubting himself, doubting whether he still has the message. And I think, well, here's what I think, who knows. I think he thinks, I don't think it's true. You know, it doesn't fit. I really don't think he's a prophet of God. However, I'm, I can't say that for sure. I think it's the same thing I think. You know, you get in a religious discussion with somebody, and they bring up a point, it's like, I don't really think that's true. I don't exactly know how to answer that right now. But it doesn't fit for me with some other things I know. I don't think it's true. But I really don't know exactly how to respond to it. I, I suspect he's in that position. I don't really think he thought. I mean, what he said about this is just so different from all the other prophets. I'm going to have to wait till I see it happen before I'm going to believe it. I think that tells you he's skeptical, but he doesn't know for sure. So uh, that's what I would do. I mean, there I can think of a, uh, I don't remember the specifics, but I just happened to, th- just popped in my mind, of the discussion I had with uh, a couple of Calvinists, one particular, several years ago, a young guy in college, really sharp. And uh, I remember, I don't remember what it was, but I remember he presented a passage defending once saved, always saved, that I had not heard, and I didn't know what the answer was. And, and, and as I recall, I said, you know, I really haven't answered that right now. I need to look at it. 
You know, I mean, what else are you going to do? I mean, to try to answer something that you don't have the answer to doesn't work. I mean, how, do you, how are you going to give an answer when, it's not, when you don't know what it is? So, I mean, it's better to say that. I mean, I, I think we're afraid. If I say that, then they'll never believe me. No. It's much more honest. Uh, you know, did I ever say I know everything? Did I ever say that I have the definitive statement on every passage you ever want to bring up? Well, no. I'm not trying to get people to think, well, you know everything about the Bible. I just want to help them believe and understand what it says. So if I don't know what that passage is really saying, how am I going to make a comment on it that's going to be helpful to them? Hold off. And then as you see it, maybe get some help, maybe study it, look at it in context, etc., and make sure you know what you're talking about. And when you do, then you can go back and say, I've studied this some more. And here's what it looks like to me. Here's why. Look at it. Other thoughts? Brad? And that's what keeps so many people from evangelizing because they're afraid they're not going to know what to say and answer all the questions. And, yes. And that's, that's not a legitimate reason not to do that. No, and I told you this before, but maybe this is a good context to say this again. When I was in Sao Paulo, one of the guys that started coming to our studies, Adam, Adam was in his mid to late 40s, he was a stockbroker, and he had been pretty influential in a denomination there. And um, he'd done some seminary, his ex-father-in-law was like third in command in that denomination nationwide. Um, He'd been various things. So he was was, a pretty sharp guy. uh, But he started coming to our studies. At first, honestly, he was sharp enough at first, I thought he was really trying to maybe, maybe like find some open people and try to subvert them. <laughs> you know, we weren't sure what his intentions were, but you know, we let him come and all that. He started coming to our worship services. So after a while, you know, I set up a study with him. I said, you know, we did that off those studies. We'd, we'd offer, you know, we want to study individually. So he said, yeah. So we started studying study several things. And, and he, he was converted after a while. And, and he later told me, he said, you know, one of the things that really impressed me about you and Dennis is how often you would say, I don't know. He said, I've been around all these denominational pastors who clearly didn't know a lot of the time, but they would never say so. You know, it was obvious they didn't know, but they would, they would say something anyway. You guys were willing just to say, I don't know. I wouldn't have thought that saying I don't know <laughs> would have been a uh, you know a positive, helpful thing in him uh, coming to the truth. But in his case, he saw that as being more honest. And it impressed him and, and opened the door further for us to study. I, I don't see why it's a negative thing to say I don't know. It does make us look like we don't know everything. We're probably going to betray that sooner or later, no matter what we say, you know, and that's accurate. I'm not, again, you know, if, if our goal isn't to try to impress people that we know everything, I don't think it's going to hurt the gospel for us to say, I don't know. And don't use that as a cop out. I mean, don't just say, I don't know when you do know, you just didn't want to hurt their feelings or something like that. But when you legitimately don't know, I mean, the, I've done before. I mean, ah, I will really not quite know, but I didn't want to say that, so I try to come up with something on the spot. You know what happens every time you do that? 
about five minutes later it blows up in your face. You're reading three verses down and it said just the opposite of what you just said or whatever. You know, much better to say I'm not sure than to say something that, you know, is clearly wrong. Other thoughts? Um, when you know we're, when we ask somebody else a question and they don't know and they just you know make up an answer or whatever we can tell and we don't like that right. so you know I'm sure it's the same for them when they ask us a question and we are clearly making something up you know that's not going to help them any yes absolutely and, and, and something that I will do if I'm in a religious discussion with somebody and, and I bring something up I, I may say you know, I realize you may not have the answer to that right now. That's okay. Don't feel pressured. I would like for you to look at this. I'd like for you to go home and really study it. I mean, if they say, well, I, I need to talk to my preacher about it. I'll say, well, that's a good idea. Why don't you do that? And I'd like to talk to you about it if, after you've studied and looked at it. Because I, I think this is really helpful. Uh, but sure, why not? I mean, I would do that. So I don't, I don't object. I'm trying to pressure somebody. You tell me right now what you think about that. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I, if I feel like I need to, I'm going to say. I'm bringing this up. Oh, I'd like for you to think about it. If you don't have an answer right now, I'm not going to hold that against you or anything like that. I won't have an answer all the time either. But it's something for you to look at and study, and then we'll talk about it after that. I think you know we need to have the same courtesy we would want. Other thoughts, Sarah. Um, just a, kind of a question. What is there any significance to the fact that with this, the Lord tells Jeremiah to speak to Hananiah as opposed to Hananiah's message was, you know, before the, the people and the priests, and Jeremiah's first response was, you know, before the priests and the people, and you know, all and. So those are these public things, but this appears to always be a private, taking you aside, uh, Hananiah, this is not the way it's going to go. I know you're a liar, and you're going to die in two months. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and my answer is I don't know. Because, <laughs> I don't know if this was before the people and he only mentions Hananiah, or whether this was a private thing. I don't know. Question. Other thoughts or questions? Thanks for saying I don't know. <laughs> it's my favorite answer. I'm good at it. I've had practice. All right, chapter 29, verses 1 to 3. 